Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hello, it's your old pal Wilson. And we're bringing you the 12 Days of Richmas. <laughs> yeah, we went there. I'm sorry about that. These are the 12 most listened to episodes of 2023. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to another edition of your favourite podcast, Insane in the Membrane, with me, Rich Wilson. And today I'm joined by the brilliant Jambi McGrath. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. I'm enjoying the weather. Nice and hot. Oh, I'm very hot. <laughs> <laughs> It can't be any hotter than Kenya, though. I mean, surely, surely it's hotter there. Well, actually, I'm from the central province of Kenya, which is basically has the perfect weather. The average tw- weather is uh, 25 degrees, and the coolest month is July, which is 17 degrees. And actually, people oh, wow. in the central province of Kenya, they think that that is too cold, so they generally don't tend to drink cold drinks, So really? <laughs> because they think that's too cold. <laughs> So when I oh. took my husband uh, for the first time and we went to a bar and they asked him, would you like warm beer or cold beer? And he was like, warm beer in this weather. <laughs> and they were like, yes, in this weather, you, you don't want to drink anything too cold. You get a cold. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why I love doing this podcast, because I get to speak to people from all manner of places that have come <laughs> from all manner of places. I wouldn't have known that. I didn't know no. that. I just assumed, no, no. I just assumed, right, it's all hot. And yeah. That's it. <laughs> well, the thing is, even in, in, in like a country like Kenya, you have um, like Mombasa. Mombasa, the average temperature is thirty-three degrees because it's coastal, wow. and it feels when, when you get out of the plane, you can feel the the heat, mm. and the, so you know you're you're by the beach. Uh, but in, uh, Nairobi is where I'm from. But it's really cool, actually. Nairobi is a, a very comfortable temperature. So good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Do you go back often? Yeah. Every year. Yeah. 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 Nice. If I can, I I mean, (laughs) Kenya is really expensive. (laughs) Yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine. Is it, is it, is it difficult? Is it more difficult now to travel since, since the the changes that have been made over here? Is there more paperwork involved now or? Uh, well, I don't know. I'm a dual citizen, so I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? Yeah, you can just nip in and out, do what you like. <laughs> well, the thing is, I, I think uh, what people don't understand here in the UK is that um, they've made it more difficult for Europeans to come to Britain, but they've made it easier for Africans to come to the UK. <laughs> 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 because 
because they need our labor, you see. Like in Kenya, they are yeah. recruiting like insanely. You know, they're recruiting butchers, lorry drivers, uh, nurses, uh, everything, doctors, everything. So, and, and if you know anything about Kenya, majority of people are under the age of 30, very educated, highly qualified and very eager to work. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so before yeah. Boris Johnson left office, he did a deal with Kenya to allow mass migration from Kenya. <laughs> you can make this shit up. <laughs> oh my god! And we're we're both comedians. We will never write something better than that. We will never. No, 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 no. Never ever. He, he basically heckled the country. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he, he made it impossible for British people to trade with anybody else, but increased massively the numbers of people coming in. So it's difficult for Europeans, not that difficult for Africans who, you know, if you're buying a flight or whatever, or whatever. Mm. So yeah, they are, they're getting loads of people to come here from Africa, which is great, Africa. <laughs> that feels like it's kind of backfired up. on a few people. <laughs> well, the thing is, he appealed to the people who... You know, who probably just thought, you know, we're going to have an immigrant-free utopia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then he was like doing dirty deals underneath, you know. Oh, Basically, this is, he likes everyone. Uh, he really did. This is this is worth the entrance fee alone. I mean, we could just wrap the podcast up now. That would be it. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Called by your part. own right-wing prime minister. <laughs> Uh, well done, mate. Well done, Boris. You absolute dickhead. Uh, well, that's pleased me no end. I'm I'm well chuffed for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but all of this, all of this, you know, all these changes and things like that. It is. It's this. You know, this podcast is fundamentally about mental health. Mm-hmm. But it is just. It's not just. We don't just sit and talk about mental health. We talk about. Mm things we've dealt with, things we're dealing with, and then from that, people will get whatever they want to get from it. And, um, and, and yeah, all these changes, you put some, yeah, these, these these government people that are supposedly in charge put so much pressure on everybody because they're all dodgy. They, you know, they talk about corruption in other countries. You go, I think the UK <laughs> is the most corrupt. The, it, oh. it, it blows my mind. Oh, seriously. Now, I mean... I know probably more than most because Kenya being a British colony, I know what they did to us. Okay, mm. I know like in 1951, Winston Churchill uh, basically helped write and draft the Human Rights Convention, which meant that as a human being, you're not allowed to be tortured, you're not allowed to be enslaved. So that was in 1951. Within months, they put uh, under his guardianship, they put my whole tribe in concentration camps. You can what? make this shit up. <laughs> yeah. So my grandmother, so my mother, when she was eight, um, in 1952, she, my grandmother and the whole tribe were put in concentration camps, uh, for eight years. So they were released in 1960. <laughs> what? So we know. Wow. See, these are the you things. You didn't know this? No, you don't, we don't get, I got taught the other side. I got taught growing up. I grew up in the seventies and the eighties. Yeah. So when I was a kid, we got taught, oh, we were the good guys and we went around and we made every, we made everybody's lives better and we <sighs> educated them and we did this and we did that and blah, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's the side we got. And that's why now <laughs> I'm fine. This, this is why I'm only finding out about this now because up until now it was like, oh yeah, everybody needed our help. Go, no, they didn't. They were fine. <laughs> they were doing better than we were. <laughs> well, the thing is like, uh, okay, the British say that they brought democracy to Kenya. 
So what they found uh, were different tribes. Like my tribe, we had the purest form of democracy. Mm. Okay, because uh, uh, so what the structures that we had was that every family unit had to be represented in the uh, uh, in the village council, and the villages they they had to choose a representative to be represented in the district council, and the districts had to be present represented in the provincial council, and anybody that was the a wrong one, anybody that was greedy, anybody that was self serving, any perverts, they were all kicked out of representation. And right. even when the British came, they were like, wow, you still have anybody left in Parliament? <laughs> so uh, so what, what they did was they came round and they found all the greedy bastards and they showered them with money and they made them chiefs. And that's basically, wow. the, yeah, yeah. So, so basically they, they came, they found democracy, they took away the democracy and they imposed authoritarianism on us. And of course, when, when, when the British started ruling us, uh, basically black people had no rights. So you could, you know, that's a very weird form of democracy. Black people could not vote. Mm. Uh, black people could not represent themselves. So you had to be represented by a missionary. So, um, yeah, so that's the kind of democracy they brought to Africa. Basically, wow. you lost your land. So they took away, all, like my grandmother, and how they lost their land is uh, they would come at night and they would touch the whole village. And of course, you'd run out screaming. And uh, that's yeah. how you were deported from your land. And that's how they gave the British people, uh, the British settlers, that's how they gave them their land. So then they were all taken to native reserves. And in these native reserves, they had no access to food. They had no access to a method of earning anything. So they brought in the Red Cross to feed them. And that's where the images of poor Africans were born. Wow. See, this is, this blows my mind. Because, because of what I was told growing up. Yeah. We trusted, we trusted those stories. So we were like, oh, well, the, the, the grown ups are telling us these things. So it must be true. Yeah. And it's only now when we're really getting into it, we go, yeah. oh, no. And it's you know, it's terrible. do you know, in, in 1952, when, when they actually took my whole tribe, over a million people, and they put them in concentration camps, uh, a British engineer was asked to design a tool that could grab a man's testicles and rip them out in one second. And they did. That's what? how they castrated Kenyan men. <laughs> oh, come on, man. Yeah, it's just... So when take you talk away the land, but don't take, away his, <laughs> don't take away his tackle. Come on. He did. Leave the man with something. I, I know. Oh. Can you imagine that? You've lost your land and your balls. Yeah. Oh, it was gruesome. You, how, do you, how, do you, how do you cope knowing this? How do you... How do you... Because I know... I know, you know, it's in your, it's in your family and it didn't yeah. necessarily happen to you, but you were, mm. you've been affected by, by what's happened. Yeah. How do you, how do you cope with that? How do you go about your day without wanting to just set fire to everything? Okay. Let me show you something. Let me yeah. just grab something. Let me show you. Okay. I thought you were going to go and grab one of those tools. I was like, I've got one here. I'm like, all right, mate, we don't need to see it. Yep. <laughs> Here's the pliers. Yeah. I just have them on the do, wall hanging up like a trophy. Yeah. Just how do I cope? Um, so yes. uh, that's why I wrote this book because I was yeah. so traumatized uh, because uh, of, um, you know, that, that, that trauma is handed down uh, from, mm. from our parents. You know, like my dad used to beat us and like he, he nearly killed each one of us could have died under the hands of my dad yeah. because they were so brutalized, you know. Um, I mean, it was awful. They they had the worst time ever. So they were living in these camps. They were on the 
verge of starvation. They were tortured and beaten and everything. And of course, once you're given our independence, so they were set free in 1960. We got our independence in 1963. So mm. these people are just released. They're traumatized and then they become parents. Uh, so you can just imagine what kind of parenting that you get. Mm. And, uh, yeah. and I, so I, 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 as a child, you don't know. All you know is that, you know, it's shit. Okay. Mm. And then, um, Years later, um, when my dad died, I became very, very traumatized. And that's when I, uh, I actually started researching my history because they also don't teach us that. I, and it's not that long ago, in 1960, that's when my whole tribe were released from concentration camps. And um, the Kenyan children, because like, like half of Kenyan children are under the age of 18. So they even they don't know about that because they don't teach that in schools. So people are very traumatized and they don't know and they don't understand why. So I, when I started doing research, um, this, um, I cried every single day for a year. Mm. Every single day. There wasn't a day I wasn't crying for a whole year. And actually, you know, you're talking about mental health. And I decide, I actually, at one point in my life, I thought that I couldn't carry on living uh, with, no. with what was in my head. See, this is the, this is the, uh, it, it, well, I can't. I, I try to see the best in everybody, but yeah. and so when when I hear yeah. about atrocities like this, yeah. I can't I can't get my head around it. I can't can't understand how a person could do something so horrific to another person. Yeah. Let alone a whole tribe. Yeah. Let alone like I just and just one day I just gathered everybody up and went, Right, you're in here now. Well and, um, and, and under some sort of trumped up charges. <laughs> okay. Here's the scenario. So I told you I'm from the central province of Kenya. Mm. So in 1902, uh, when um, uh, Sir, uh, Sir Charles Elliot was sent, was sent to Kenya to evaluate the land for occupation by the British. So he went around the country and he came to the central province of Kenya and he said the temperature is perfect. Uh, the land is so fertile. He said it's easily the most fertile land on earth and therefore perfect for the British. And he mm. said that the Africans lacked in each and every way, and therefore they did not belong on this land. And so that, that is how basically um, our fate was decided. And mm. so they came uh, when they arrived. Um, so they actually put adverts in London uh, asking, uh, telling British people who want to come and settle in Kenya, there's free land and free labor. Um, so they came. <laughs> they came for the free land and free labor. And why wouldn't you? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they, and so because the land had already been cleared, and all my, you know, my grandma, all of them, they were all now in native reserves, and the British then came, they, they would just be given vast lands, vast lands, like huge lands, mm. and um, and and so so basically, but you see that the thing us the Gekoyo people that were farmers in that land, where were we to go? Where do you go? Because yeah. the, thing, the terrain of Kenya is actually very difficult because we have semi-desert. Uh, and so the people who <clears throat> we are Bantu and Bantus, especially my tribe, the Gekoyo people, we were almost vegan. And because of this, <clears throat> we can't live like the Maasai. See, the Maasai 
you know, from time immemorial, have been nomadic, and so they have n they know how to survive in dry lands because they drink milk and they drink blood. That is how they survive. Oh, wow. The Yakuya people, we are almost entirely vegan, <clears throat> so we we couldn't live like that. And so no. the only thing that we could do was try and get back to our lands. But the problem is the white people have already taken our lands. But the Yakuya people wouldn't stop wanting their lands. And so uh, what they did was they started creating um, resistance. So they started forming groups for resistance. And mm. um, they tried to petition the British government. The British government ignored them. They said, you don't, you don't have a voice. Shush. You can't. You're not allowed to represent yourself. You don't have grievances. So you shut up. Okay. Yeah. So the only thing they could do was eventually uh, become violent. So they, they started uh, sabotaging the farmers, the white farmers. And um, so uh, they they would um, they would turn up and b burn the farmer's house. So in that period, thirty two white farmers were killed. Uh, in retaliation, the British government uh, and Winston Churchill uh, got the whole tribe to be punished, so collective punishment. So we were all put into concentration wow. camps. Um, yeah. <laughs> and all they were doing was defending themselves. Oh, they wanted, and actually, if they had been given just a little bit of land to grow food to eat, yeah. they would have, the British would still have been in Kenya. But they refused to listen. They were like, no, you're not, we don't want to hear you. You don't have a voice now. Go away. Okay. And so that, wow. that's why they became violent. But, and, you know, uh, so it culminated with uh, the Kenya being declared a police state. In, 19, in 1952, Kenya was put in a, under state of emergency. <clears throat> and um, so, uh, and they brought in 34,000 soldiers. Um, 50,000 tons of bombs were dropped on us. What? Uh, yeah. And, um, uh, uh, yeah. And so many, so 32 white farmers were killed as a result of that. Possibly 300,000 Kenyans, Gekoyo people were killed. We don't know how many because nobody was keeping tally. Uh, and that's no. basically eventually how we got our independence because it became impossible to, um, the news was starting to get out and um, the uh, Labour MP Barbara Castle, she went to visit Kenya and she found, what the hell? We've actually got concentration camps in Kenya in the 50s. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. as recent as the 50s. <laughs> and she made a speech and, and also because the mothers the mothers were writing uh, they were writing a lot of letters to the Queen begging the Queen to stop their children from being raped. So they wrote so many letters copious and copious and copious and copious amount of letters and the the government said the letters were embarrassing uh the british government so uh, eventually that's how we got our independence oh my god see i know this is out there i know this yeah. information is out there but mm. because i because i was just told a certain thing yeah i was like oh it was that i just kind of went with it it's only yeah. since doing this podcast that I'm starting mm. to learn that actually, yeah, we uh, we've got some we've got some making up to do, some reparations <laughs> to make. Just well, barreling, we've just been barreling around the world, just taking whatever we want. Which is why I think this is why we're in such a mess in this in the UK now. Yeah, because the the blood of those people, their ancestors, is in the blood of them now. So they don't. That's why they don't give a shit. They don't <laughs> give a fuck about their own people, let alone no. people outside of the UK. Well, this is it. This is <clears throat> what they are doing to the British people now is what they've done to people around the world. They don't care. Since yeah. 2010, you've seen how poverty has actually been introduced, extreme poverty. I know there are mothers here that are stealing formula milk for their babies. You know, imagine that. <clears throat> yeah. Imagine a there mother was... having... 
Yeah, no, you're right. It's that it's, and I, I heard this, yeah, on the news the other day, and they were saying that they're putting, a, they're now putting um, uh, alarms and things on the baby formula, and, and they and they were talking. It was, I can't remember who the guy, who the interviewer was, but the person interviewing was saying, he was saying, yeah, but is it, you know, because it's these things are being stolen and sold on. To, no. to pay for drugs and things like that. You what? Go, no, no, no. It's for survival. Yeah, what? yeah. And the, and the, if the you interview gonna, is, yeah. If you yeah, were yeah, going to sell something to sell to buy yeah. drugs, would you go for baby formula? <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, of course not. <laughs> people would probably buy steel watches and you know everyday things, yeah. unless there's something that we know about baby formula that people have started just drinking it. <laughs> Maybe there is. Yeah, <laughs> if you drink enough of it, it sends you a bit off your head. Um, mm. But yeah, he was saying, he was saying that, uh, yeah, and the guy was going, no, it isn't, it isn't, this isn't funding criminal activities, desperate people. Yeah. People the the are, two things that are, are being stolen yeah. is formula milk and cowpool. Really? Yeah. See, it shouldn't, this is, this is, and it, and it still blows my mind that these people are, they're still voted in. They're still, yeah. they still vote for them. Yep. But what's happening now? I did a, I did a gig, uh, in a, quite a middle class area the other day mm-hmm. and i made a joke and just said like you know so who's shoplifting now then and loads mm. of people said yeah loads of wow. people said, and i went so i said what are you what are we doing are we having a, are we open ourselves to the bread what are we doing nicking bread and they all kind of went weird people are stealing wow. bread yeah yeah yeah. and that's not imagine that's not, that that's not working class people this is yeah. the middle classes so imagine if they can do that to actual british people then imagine mm. what they would do to people who are you know, black in Africa, in a place where they yeah. will never be accountable. Imagine what they would do there. Just, just, it, 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 it just makes me, I mean, sad, sad doesn't even cover it. Hmm. It's, it's, it's shame. I feel shame hmm. that, that that's happened and shame yeah. that we would, we weren't told that we weren't, no. we were told that you needed educating and we showed you about, <laughs> yeah, like we gave you democracy. And we get, you know, these people, like you've said already, most of these people speak more than one language. Yeah. You're they're already all, better than you. We are all, we, we are all trilingual. Yeah. <laughs> most of us are trilingual. The UK, the UK, we barely speak English. We can't even do that <laughs> properly. <laughs> Uh, but you know what? It is one thing that the British and Europeans in general are very, very good at is propaganda. So you mm. can do all of that and come and tell your people, oh, you know, we were, we were just civilizing them, you know. It's like yeah. America saying they dropped their atomic jom- bo- a bomb on Japan to keep them warm. <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> we were helping them with the heating, you know. <laughs> they were, it was a bit chilly. We just thought we'd just yeah. do the whole lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you said so. You said that you know you wrote the book hmm. uh, to, to, to kind of just get, I, I guess, to just get those thoughts and feelings out hmm. of you. Hmm. Did it help? Do you feel? Are you on? Did you? Did it? Did it get you out the other side? Are you feeling? Are you in a better place now? Or are you still? You know, it's um, it's one of those things I began to regret doing the research because, yeah. I, like you, like you, we were taught the same. Like in mm. Kenyans are very brainwashed. We are very brainwashed to believe that white people are nice, to believe that white people came and gave us stuff, to believe all this about white people. And so mm. when I found, and I totally fundamentally believed it, it with my whole heart, uh, we were told that white people are the purveyors of justice. White people are the purveyors of anything that's good and wholesome. So for us, I completely and fundamentally believe that. 
uh, and then um, I'm talking to my mother when I'm doing the research for my book and the things that she is recounting, I think my mother is lying and I can't believe really? it. So I, I start, I, I go to the library and start getting books out and then I subscribe to like Yale University to allow, uh, so that they can give me access to their database. And I start researching. And the one thing that, that really chilled me to the bone was I saw in a military um, um, document that said the Agikoyo people of Kenya do not know and will never realize just how close they came to complete and total annihilation. And that chilled me oh to God. the bone. And everything yeah. that my mother said was collaborated by the work of Caroline Elkins. Uh, mm. So she wrote a book. It's called The Britain's Gulags in Kenya. And then uh, there's another a book that was written by David Anderson, and it's called um, uh, The Histories of the Hanged, because one thing what the British introduced in Kenya is hanging. So in the 19, from 1952 to 1960, they even had mobile gallows, and they used to hang what? people. Yeah, yeah. So they used to hang people, like, you know, in Iran, how they hang people in a crowd. So they gather around a crowd. Mm. So they, they, they would do that. And, um, and I, I, I write about this in my book, how my mother, uh, why my mother w didn't go to school. It's because uh, her first week in school, the uh, district officer came to their school. And, uh, you know, she was very soft, small. And he comes and he speaks to their, to their teacher and uh the teacher tells them, children, we are going, we are going on a trip, you know, and imagine you tell four, five-year-olds they're going on a trip, how excited they are. So they're jumping up mm. and down. They're so excited. They think they're, they're, they're going somewhere nice. And, uh, and then they get to the town square. And in the town square, uh, the, the district officer uncovers something that was covered on the floor. And basically, there were mutilated heads and charred bodies of people. And they showed them to the children. And they said, if you uh, do you see this, these people, next is going to be your mothers and your grandmothers and your fathers. This is why they must not join the Mau Mau terrorists, you know, the, the rebels. And so from that mm. day, my mother never went back to school. My grandmother could not send her back to school again. Um, uh, yeah, and so there were children were encouraged to go and watch people being hanged uh, and people being tortured so that they could instill the fear in them so that they could beg their families not to fight for independence. Oh, my God. Yeah. And horrific. this was in the 60s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is... I mean, I was born in 1972, so it's yeah. it's not <laughs> it's not far. I'm not. Oh my god! Yeah. I mean, and I thought it was bad enough where I grew up, but yeah. we just had to worry about at some point a grown up would just punch you in the ear off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow! How? Yeah, yeah. How? You'll never get over that. You'd never. You'd oh, never you not. Can't. Oh, oh, no. you, oh, you can't. Is and I was. I wrote the reason I wrote my book is because. I thought to myself that if if I ever fuck up my children, at least they have a point of reference. They can read my book mm. and hopefully understand um, w w where I'm coming from. We are so traumatized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People in Africa are so traumatized, and we don't actually even know why. No, no, no. Oh, and you God. know what? I mean, the, the British, they were they're all in cahoots. The German, they're all in cahoots because that's what the Germans did to people in, in Namibia. You know, mm. the Germans in Namibia, they would they would actually get you to kill your mother and then boil what? her head so they can take the skull away. Um, 
so, so that they can do tests on the skull to see whether black people are inferior. Um, the, um, the, 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 the uh, Belgians did the same in the Congo. King Leopold II, he killed half of the population in seven years. So he killed 10 million people in the Congo. And what he would do to motivate Africans to work is either he would, uh, you know, you'd be having your gorgeous little baby and uh, they would take your baby and chop off its hands and its feet uh, to make you work harder so that the rest of your children can keep their hands and feet. Europeans are easily the most grotesque, violent people in the world. The things that yeah. they have done to us Africans is unfathomable. And and um, now the way they watch uh, Africans fleeing, um, drowning in the mud with almost some yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. It, it, that's nothing. And and the thing is, no. people in Africa they don't know the history, and therefore people they genuinely believe that if they come, if they take those risky journeys, Europeans will save them because they have been so brainwashed to think that Europeans are the purveyors of justice. And so, uh, right, yeah, yeah. I, I, and this is why they, they are trying to reach Europe so that Europeans, the purveyors of justice, can help them. They don't understand, like in the Congo, is destabilized by all the mining companies who come with their own militia and cause all of this and cause terror and mayhem. And so they think if we flee to Europe, the Europeans would hear us and they will help us. It, is, it's, it fucks you up. Fuck. <laughs> wow. That just yeah. makes so much sense now. Yeah. Because the amount of conversations I've had with people, people that are, you know, close to me, and, I'm, and they're yeah. like, oh, yeah, the, the problems we're having is, they are, they're getting brainwashed, like you said. Mm. The thing that the UK government's really good at is propaganda. No. It's, they're good it's, at propaganda. Yeah. And, they, and they've, like, got, they've, they've got people here genuinely believing that the issue is because of the people coming here in boats. Well, the thing and is, for example, look at the war in not, Sudan. Look at the war in yeah. Sudan. What do you think is causing the war in Sudan? I don't know. I think it's more, <laughs> it just goes back to being, it's the same, it's the same the world over. It's the people yeah. in power barreling around the world, causing all the problems and then blaming the people from those, the people just going about their daily business, blaming yeah. it on them. Yeah. It's so, the same so the world if over. you see, if you see the division that was, that, 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 that was created in Sudan, it basically began when the British decided that they are going to, uh, separate. It's similar to India and Pakistan. They decided that the, the north of Sudan was going to be Islam, uh, Islamist. <laughs> they, they're going mm. to turn it into an Islam state. Right. And the people in the south, because they were dark skin, they were going to obviously make that uh, a different type of people. So they yeah. encouraged the people, like uh, they built a lot of mosques in the north of Sudan and then the north of Sudan. So they got the, um, the, they encouraged the light skinned Arabs in the north of Sudan. And, um, they actually showered them with money and, uh, they, they built mosques in schools and it was, you know, so the north of Sudan is really good. And what they did was they held back the dark Africans, what they call the sub-Saharan Africans in the south Sudan. Mm. They basically made their lives quite miserable and they put the, the Arabs in charge of them. And so what you have is a perfect recipe for all these people who have been oppressed uh, to mm. basically fight back. And this is why South Sudan broke away from the north because they have been very racist towards them. 
And uh, so these problems were laid down a long time ago. It's like Kashmir. <laughs> it's exactly mm. the same as Kashmir. The same as Rwanda. We, so in Rwanda, honestly speaking, when, when the uh, Belgians took over from, from the French in the Belgium, they found that the Hutus and Tutsis were the same. There was not, no difference between them. And so what right. they did was they measured their noses, they measured their faces, and they checked the color of their skin. So anybody that had a longer nose, anybody that had a long face, anybody, anybody that was light-skinned, they were uh, made to be the, uh, the Tutsis. And the Hutus mm. were the shorter, broad-nosed people who were dark-skinned. So they made the light-skinned people, uh, they gave them loads of money, and they got them to oppress the, the, the dark-skinned people. And so the dark-skinned pe people... <laughs> This, this is how, I mean, the, there isn't a place in Africa that hasn't been completely and utterly, can I say fucked in this podcast? Yeah, fucked. Yeah, I think that's That exactly haven't what, uh, been yeah. completely fucked by Europeans, not only by taking them as slavery. I mean, the Portuguese, the Portuguese in Africa, my God. Mm. Like, if, if you look at places like um, Mozambique, my God, those people, um, at Angola, the Portuguese took nearly 5 million Africans from there as slaves, and half of them they threw overboard um, on the, yeah, on, in transit to Brazil. Um, and those people are still suffering. You know, the, the blood that has been spilled off Africans, and still uh, Europeans portray us as, the, as poor, diseased, helpless people. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. managed to kick Europeans out of Africa. We've, we yeah. did it. We kicked Europeans out of Africa. And they can never, wow. ever, ever uh, let us get away with it. And this is why they mistreat Haiti. You see, Haiti is, is mm, so poor yeah. and whatever. It's because the Haitians, the slaves, they were slaves. And they fought for everything they've got. And, so, and the French, the French are such bastards that they, they made them pay for their freedom. And, uh, so, and, and it, took them, it took them several hundred years to finish paying the French for uh, for their for their freedom and all yeah. the all the all the, all the countries they they were Western countries are in cahoots to keep Haiti poor because of fighting them for for their independence from slavery. These uh, things. Well, <laughs> so that makes sense. Well, that's what because you because they after they, so they, they have these natural disasters and you yeah. go why aren't you just helping what, what, is this, what is it oh we need to put these things in place first and we need to make and you're like go and fucking help them and, and all the money and that was collected yeah and the money that was collected none of that money went to to haiti and actually oh. the peace, yeah and the peacekeepers who were there actually caused more problems than not um, I mean, it's, you know, the global politics, you, you, when, the more you learn about global politics, the less you want to be alive. Seriously. It, it depresses this, me. Yeah. yeah. This is the, yeah, because I, I, you know, like I said, I'm not an educated man. I mean, I, I'm not stupid, but I'm not an educated man. I'm not well read. And so when it comes to, you know, I kind of trusted, like I said, I trusted the grown ups when I was growing yeah. up. Yeah. Now I'm starting to realize that it was all bullshit. Yeah. Then, and then you get to a point where you go, oh, I'm not going to watch the news anymore because it's just depressing, yeah. uh, you know. And and then, but then on the news they only tell you what yeah. they want you to know. Oh, and yeah. it's only when I talk to people that yeah. like you yeah. and people that are actually involved in these things mm -hmm. that you start to get a, a better picture of it. It's like my mm -hmm. dad. My dad was a civil servant and he worked yeah. in he worked in Brussels. Mm -hmm. And the amount of times my dad says is like, look that. 
the EU wasn't it wasn't a shit thing to be involved with because that's why we've got <laughs> sewage being pumped into our rivers now because we had <laughs> the thing was that was keep that was what was keeping the shit from the rivers and now yeah. you, they've got rid of it we're out of it they can yeah. do what they want you got and freedom so again the people that got, got freedom yeah, we got free, yeah, and we're gonna make you fucking pay for it yeah the people that got freedom was the government <laughs> yeah that, that, yeah but that was what it was this this the, everything in the world is always traced back to the same thing it's just money and power yeah. isn't it it's just, money it's and all, power money and power and that's it across the board mm. it all comes back to money and power mm -hmm. and it really saddens me that that people that are in genuine need are just never going to be helped no. and and like you know people coming over here on see that makes so so when you said that you've clarified that why because you go it's so dangerous to try and get here yeah on a on a boat or you're yeah. paying these 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 gangsters to you trusting these gangsters you are paying mm. them fortunes to yeah. th to get you to a safer place mm. and you go and you have to say like well why would you do that why don't you just not do it and you go well now it makes sense because yeah. there's no other option they genuinely thought they were going to get help if they uh, came and you here. know what you know have you ever heard of the abuse becomes the abuser so like if, yes. if you look at what they did in the Congo, because that's how like Leopold introduced the chopping off of hands and stuff, and then the militia started doing it to people. So, I mean, it's horrifying some of these places. And the, the, you will do, if you can, you will, you will pay those people mm. to carry, those people are actually providing a service for people. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. they are providing a service. They're helping you flee. It's like, I mean, when the war started in Ukraine, you saw you saw uh, people trying to flee, and you saw, yes. you know, what they did to black people. They stopped them from from fleeing. So if um, if you can, you would pay someone to help you flee. So these people yeah, are just providing a service. You know, that's what they're doing. And the thing is, <coughs> the, the reason they blame the immigrants uh, or these people in boats is because. They cannot tell you the truth about all the shit they mm. have caused around the world. And they yeah, say, no, it's these people. It's these people. They're crossing illegally. It's like, where are they coming from? What has made them flee? What has made their land? Yeah. It, uh, because you know what? People need to understand that actually majority of people around the world would rather not move continents. Majority yeah, of, of people not. around the world would rather just live where they have lived. Okay, um, because like people look at people in Africa and they think, oh, they're so poor or whatever. That's how for us, the, the one thing that the colonizers could never, ever understand for a very long time was how little Africans were interested in in capital wealth. The Africans were just happy living simple lives. They were like, listen, we've got everything we want. Okay, so here's our schedule. Our schedule is this um, in this month. We, women will go and do their planting and as they're planting, they're singing and whatever, they're having joy and then they come after they've planted. Now is a time for ceremonies and dance competitions. So people from all the other districts, they would all be, you know, doing their dancing competition or whatever and then they would hold district festivals for dancing competitions. And then when that was finished, they would harvest. And then after that, it was the wedding ceremonies. So it'd be weddings and weddings and wedding ceremonies. So that was the life. The Europeans mm. came and they saw them living in mad huts. And for us, everybody was the same. Okay. Nobody yeah. was superior or whatever. Everybody was the same. These people's quality of life was actually very good. 
wholesome and very good. The Europeans tried to show them things and they were like, but we don't want that. We are happy with yeah. what we're doing. And they worked so hard. And this is why one of the reasons why they made it, made, they made Africans so desperately poor so that the only way they can survive is by working for the white settlers. And the white settlers exploited them by giving them like just enough to eat and survive to keep working for them. My God. If Europeans had not ever been to Africa, I don't, I doubt any African would ever try to come to, uh, to Europe. And like I no, say, why would you? If you, yeah, why, and like like I you say, said, why would you? Yeah. And like I say, if you don't want people in Africa coming to your continent, leave Africa alone. <laughs> yeah. Simple. <laughs> yeah. There's a uh, comedian, Tommy Tiernan, who hmm. said he used to have a bit about, you know, the, 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 the Brits would, you know, travel around the world invading different countries and yeah. then getting the ump when those people would follow them home <laughs> yeah i know this is it this is exactly it you know and like i say if you hadn't gone on and on and on and on and on about how great britain was i would still be in africa chasing an animal <laughs> you know <laughs> and this, a better time <laughs> i know i know i know seriously you know what you, you know what they do it's like you go and light a fire and then you come outside and call people, look, a fire, oh my God, a fire. Shall we go and rescue those people? It's like you're the one that actually caused that fire. Yeah, yeah, And this yeah. is literally what they do. This is what they do. Um, but yeah. um, to answer your question, um, I, I wish I had not found out a lot of that stuff because mm. sometimes being innocent is good for you. <laughs> you well, know, yeah, not knowing all this yeah. shit is so much better for your mental health and... And uh, I, I was so negative for a very long time. And uh, but you know, um, you you just have to learn to cope. You know, finding out I that think, the things yeah. that were, were done to my family is uh, makes me extremely sad. Mm. Yeah. I think this is this is why a lot of people, myself included, mm. this is why a lot of us just you do you bury your head in the sand. You go, I don't need mm. to know about that. Yeah. You know, it it's going to make me it's going to make me upset, mm. but. We have to know about these things I know. in order to stop these things happening again. Yeah. And, and this is why in America they are stopping people from being taught uh, about black history because their children are feeling too guilty. <laughs> which is tough shit, unfortunately. I know. It's, <laughs> tough shit. We have to. We're, yeah, tough shit. It's, we're going to have to. We, well, this is. I mean, oh, God. I mean, America's turned into proper Disneyland, isn't it? I mean, it's. <laughs> Taking away the rights of women to do what, uh, so a woman has the choice to do what she wants to do with her own yeah. body. But even in this and country, two it, days you know. ago, a woman was sent to prison for having an abortion. Did you see that? Two days ago. What? In I this saw, country. I, I think I. What? I think I briefly saw a, a headline, but I didn't yeah. really take much notice. I kind of. In this country, abortion is illegal. <laughs> okay, it's illegal. So the a mother of three is now serving time for having an abortion in the United Kingdom in 2023. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's illegal. And this is a law based in a law uh, from 1861 that made abortion illegal yeah, yeah, yeah. in this country. Fuck's sake. It's easy to, to, it's easy to think that there's no hope, yeah. isn't there? When, mm. when things get like this, because like I've just said, now it's affecting everybody. It's not just <laughs> affecting yeah. working class people. It's affecting everybody. <laughs> and this is how things start. To, this is when things start to change. and People start of to course. rise up. But Of course, it's like a, a forest shame, fire. But, yeah. 
It's like a forest yeah. fire. A forest fire burns everything. And then from it, new yeah. fresh growth. And sometimes yeah, yeah, things yeah. have to get so bad. I mean, you know what? Throughout history, you, know, you and you've seen this, you know, the Ottoman Empire. What, what, how do you build an empire? Through grotesque mm. violence. And then these yeah, empires yeah, yeah. crumble. And then maybe some sort of stability comes about. And then the next fascists start to creep up. And, you know, mm. this is it. But uh, basically, people are voting for Brexit, thinking uh, that they were going to live in a utopia where it, there was going to be no immigrants. It was just going to be white people. But it's because um, people don't really know their history. They could not see that they wanted to be in a state where they can be free from anything and they can do. So Britain is Britain's last colony, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. true. that, But that's the thing. They're all, you know, you, with, with Brexit, you know that they were like, right, we need to get out of Europe so we can, because we've got all this money stored away yeah. or whatever reason it was. It was yeah. always to do with money. Yeah. And they were like, right, what we're going to do, we're yeah. going to, we're going to manipulate the people to make them think like they're, they're voting for some, they're voting. So it's on them so that yeah. we don't even get the blame for it. The government don't even get the blame for it. The people get the blame for it. For and voting you know for what? It. Do you know what? And like, I was seeing people re rejoicing about uh, getting rid of the human rights law. And I was like, do you think the law is going to say we can torture immigrants, uh, Muslims, black people, and it, it, this is, affects everybody, <laughs> okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, please, and this, we have a saying that when you do bad, you do yourself bad. People were actually mm. voting for this because they didn't want uh, immigrants in this country. They didn't want the safety of immigrants or they didn't want, you know, and then now, mm, yeah, they're the yeah, ones yeah. who cannot afford a mortgage. They're the ones who cannot eat tomatoes, you know. They're, yeah. they're the ones, they're the ones who w will not be able to get care in, the, in an NHS hospital. They're the ones who basically have lost their rights to protest. They're the ones who, who's, you know, yeah. they've lost everything and they lost everything thinking that it is their black people or the Indian people or the Muslims that were going to suffer. And this yeah. is how sometimes you need to change your mind. Okay, if this thing hurts a Muslim, if this thing hurts a, an Indian, if this thing hurts uh, a Chinese man, it could possibly hurt me as well, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're not exempt from this. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. it will hurt you as well, you know? Yeah. But I suppose I people have to learn. Well, this is it. People, they they just believed it. They they were, they were so easily manipulated, and they believed it hook like and hook line and sinker. And now <laughs> yeah. they're and now they're seeing now they're seeing it. Now they're seeing what's going on. They're going, yeah. oh shit! They're like, Hang on a minute, that's not. They lied to yeah, us. Like, I, yeah, I can't go. I can't go and live in my house in Spain anymore. No. <laughs> Because yeah, you because voted you to, voted to leave. You voted for it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was so nice. Like, literally, you could wake up in the morning and think, I want to go to Paris and I'm going to work in Paris for a year and then I'm going to come back. No, you can't. And I, 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 I was so baffled by this. I had loads of arguments with people. I was trying to say to people, this is not a good thing. They were like, no, 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 no. This is a good thing. You know, it's going to control immigrants. We are an island. Um, basically, well, the thing is the population growth in Britain has been stagnant for a very long time. 
In the 1950s, mm. what was the population in Britain? About 63 million. Was the, was the population in Britain now? About 66 million. So that's right. a very short climb. Whereas you see places in Kenya. In Kenya, um, uh, we uh, basically have, uh, in, the, in the 1980s, we had 25 million people in Kenya. Uh, now we mm. have 55 million people in Kenya. Double. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. In Britain, you've only had an increase of about maybe several million, maybe four million or five million in so many years. Uh, but you're yeah. still told Britain is full, Britain is full. But it's not full because we know that there are so there are schools that are closing because of lack of children. There are whole towns yeah. in Britain that are dying because there is no people to work there. Majority, if you look at the population structure in Britain, is top heavy. So it's like this. It's like this. So you have very, very many very old people and you have very few young people whereas in africa it's like this majority are young three quarters are under the age of 30 yeah it's yeah, like this yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so we have a really big healthy population and this is worrying people because they say oh you know this population growth in africa is worrying why <laughs> because they know that, yeah. that, 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 that basically those are workers those are workers yeah. and Africa is going to be, you know, look at China. China just rose. India just rose. Africa is going to just rise. And people are like, oh, shit, we don't want, you know. And this is why you see um, there is, you know, um, and, and because we are diff different trajectories, Europe is going down and Africa is rising. And people cannot mm. see that. Both people in Europe and both no. people in Africa cannot see that themselves. Obviously, the, the leaders know this. They have known this. I mean, places like Italy, bloody hell. Um, Spain, bloody hell. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's it. The leaders do know. The leaders, of course, they know. know of course, they know. Yeah, but it's the people. Uh, on, it's us, the people on the ground, that are just paying the price. Yeah, well, yeah, and they don't want to admit to people yeah. that the country has no money anymore because the money. Where did the money come from? From the colonies. That's where you got all the yeah. money. And the colonies went that door shut, and therefore you've got no more money. People don't want to admit this. So we have been told, no, it's those people coming on boats that are that are stealing your money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, That's it's, absurd. Is a Syrian mother stealing your money? <laughs> <laughs> but it's yes, and it, and it. See now, this this whole conversation has just blown my mind. I and mm -hmm. I keep saying that because I don't know what else to say. I had no idea about any of this because I did that thing that we all do, and I didn't investigate. And I got, I was like, oh well. I know bad things happen, but I'm not going to look at it because it'll upset me. Yeah. And it. Sorry. Yeah. And that's what. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, no, I, it's given me a whole new perspective and, mm -hmm. and I'm glad that we, I'm glad that we did that, you know. Mm -hmm. and, but uh, away from all that, uh, mm -hmm. are you yourself? Are you, are you in a better place now? Are you, you in, know, a, in a great mentally, place? You know? you know, I'm in a great yeah. place because it actually gave me my voice, you know? Um, yeah. I talk about this. Uh, it's made me so passionate about talking about um, the stuff that happened to my mother. She had no voice. My mother passed away without, but she passed on her voice to me. It's, my mother lives in my mm. book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I, it's it, yeah, it's given me a purpose because uh, I talk about this stuff in my shows. I talk about this stuff in my radio series. So I've just finished recording my radio series. Uh, I've yep. got a new book coming out uh, on the fifth of October. Um, uh, so that's my debut fiction. I've got a brand new show, uh, taken to Edinburgh Festival. So all this, and uh, now I'm actually researching, I'm researching for a, a new book, um, 
And this is about, uh, I, I've become very fascinated by my tribe, the Akikoyo people. Mm. Um, so like my, my great, my great, great grandmother, uh, I thought, now I thought she had four wives. Okay. I found out she's got, she had seven wives. <laughs> she had seven wives. What? And yeah, she, my great, great grandmother, she had seven wives and she was so revered. They've got a place named after her. So I'm researching what? her. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, wow. and she was a ruler as well. Yeah, so she ascended all the way to the... T- yeah, she was a ruler. Um, because, you know, when people think about Africans, they think that we're very close-minded and whatever. We were actually a lot more liberal. And, you know, it's colonialism. Yeah. yeah. And actually because we are matriarchy, matrilineal. So I'm so fascinated about my tribe and how we approach things and stuff like that. So... Um, it's kept me very busy because I do a lot of research and do a lot of writing. Yeah. And so that, that has given me stuff. To, I've got so much stuff to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Seven wives, though. So, I mean, yeah, I know. She died of exhaustion. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to go. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So she, yeah, she had seven I can't, wives. Well, that's what an incredible woman. Mm-hmm. And. That is a beautiful way to finish. Yeah. Thank you. Thank well, you so thank much you. for this today. Honestly, I am, oh, I just, I, there's so much to think about. Mm-hmm. I'll definitely be getting, I'm going to be getting your, your, the book you've got there. Um, no, and your you. new book, when is your new book coming out? On the 5th of October, my debut fiction is coming out and I'm very, very excited. Um, Excellent. Yeah, I can't wait, you know, because when you, when you write a memoir, it's different because the information is there. When you, when you write fiction, you have to create a world. And that, that was, uh, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that was, um, it, it feels like giving birth all over again. <laughs> <laughs> and you're doing, and you're doing a show, and you're taking that to Edinburgh. Yes, so I'll be um, at the Gilded do you have Balloon. Dates for that? So yeah, yeah. So nice. I'll be at the Gilded Balloon uh, from the third until the twenty eighth, uh, but I'm not performing on the fourteenth. And I will be at the, yeah Gilded Balloon, the turret, um, at three p.m. every single day except the fourteenth. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Perfect time. And where can we find you on the socials? So I'm everywhere, really. I'm on Instagram, Jambi McGrath. I'm on TikTok, Jambi McGrath. I'm on YouTube, Jambi McGrath. Um, on uh, Facebook, Jambi McGrath Comedy. Uh, I'm everywhere. But please, guys, listen to my uh, Radio 4 series. I've got a Radio 4 series. Um, so the first series is called uh, Who Am I? And Becoming Champion McGrath. So kind of the journey of who, where I am now through my research and stuff. And then my second series, it, we've just finished recording it, is actually coming out in October. Um, uh, so everything is coming out in October. And my, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've got several comedy specials. I've got five comedy specials. Uh, they can be wow. accessed from uh, Nexa platform or YouTube movies or Just for Loves or Comedy Dynamics or Amazon Prime. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And are you okay? Because that was a heavy conversation. Are you all right? I am fine. I, I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. I am fine. Okay, I hope you're okay processing all of this. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot to process, but I just want to make sure because it's it's in the morning. Yeah, I don't want you to. It's a it's a tricky way to start your day. <laughs> yeah, it's a tricky it's, one uh, to start your right. day. You know, I, I you know what? I'm absolutely fine. And um, like um, like my husband says, um, 
you know, will you ever tire of talking about colonialism? And I'm like, hey, my husband is English, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, you're not this again. Oh, yeah, no, I get it. No colonialism again, Jambi, please. <laughs> Can we at least just finish having sex? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Good. But you're yeah. okay. I'm fine. Thanks very much. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining me, Jamie. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, this thank has been Insane in the Membrane. I've been Rich Wilson. This has been uh, Jamie McGrath, and we'll see you next time. Insane in the Membrane. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk Shooting, live streaming and podcast production.